What's up, everybody? This is Eric with Mixtapes. Got a great one today. I'm super excited for the show. I get to talk about Randy Rhodes and the new documentary that's coming about uh, on him on May 6th with uh, Tracy Guns, famous L.A. Guns guitar player, and he's a narrator of the film, too. <laughs> Tracy, thanks for coming on the show today. How you doing? You got it, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Absolutely. First off, I just want to say thanks for doing the documentary. I feel like there's not enough stuff out there on Randy right now. And it's mm -hmm. important to keep the music out there for the next generation. It's important. I mean, there's not a lot of footage either, right? So when you narrated right. this this documentary, um, give give us an idea of how hard it was to narrate, you know, especially somebody that you grew up idolizing. You know, you you have this, you know, first it's the task at hand, right? You know, like I have to read a script of somebody that I emotionally attached to. So, you know, how do you not come across as kind of like a robot reading a script? And then how do you get outside of the script and, you know, be real and honest in your true feelings in the thing. So luckily um, I had a vocal coach, you know, I had a, a narration coach with me the whole time. And I don't know if I could do this for someone else. You know, I mean, Randy Rhodes, I'm like you, you know, it's, it's I'm obsessed. I'm still obsessed. I've always been obsessed. Um, so in a way, um, you know, we did the recording of my voice at my studio, which was really comfortable. And, and it was crazy because I had just flown in from Denmark to L.A. You know, I had insane jet lag and, and it took us about 10 hours to do it. So um, I think that also lends to being relaxed. You know, I wasn't antsy or nervous or anything like that. And um most importantly, I think that I was really able to tell the story from a fan's point of view, you know, to, um, you know, because there was nothing in the documentary that I didn't know already. You know, like I know all the stories, probably like you do too. But to see it and visualize it, you know, over and over again for the, you know, the two weeks previous to actually doing the work, it's just such a, a huge reminder. And like you said, you know, to be able to, finally deliver, you know, 90 minutes of Randy Rhodes to people that really for years have just wanted to see anything, you know, put together to really get an understanding of who this magic wizard person was, you know? And um, I think a lot of people are gonna really learn about his early life and, and you know, really get even closer to him. Because that's the great thing about Randy, isn't it? Is you feel like you know him anyways. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's, um, it's it's just one of those guys. Oh, absolutely. And 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 it, there's a mystique to him too, like you said earlier, because there's hardly any footage out there. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember being a kid, you know, sending money to uh, an, a PO address from the back of Circus Magazine to get, yeah. you know, to get the Chicago footage or to get, you know, other footage on him and realizing, man, there's there's hardly anything about this guy. Yeah. Get a little bit of Quiet Riot footage, but then Kevin, I think, released some to VH1. And so we got uh, to see some more stuff that we hadn't seen. And, and a lot of that pro shot stuff from the whiskey was, uh, was really an eye opener to see him do some of the like, you know, in his guitar solo he does to get to see part of that guitar solo is what he did with, with Ozzy and actually see, yeah. as a guitar player to see what he was doing with his fingers and kind of going, Oh, that's cool. I'm only, I'm only picturing in my head, but now I can kind of uh -huh. do. And that was absolutely huge. I mean, well, it's kind of, it kind of that it's funny you brought that specific section up because 
<clears throat> it really kind of shows you the 70s mentality of, of a prolific guitar player, like, you know, Hendrix, Page, probably Eddie, but definitely Randy, you know, where within a set of songs and a guitar solo, he's already doing things that are going to happen later, you know, and Page was a, did it constantly, you know, you see all these bootleg Zeppelin stuff, you're like, hey, that's Achilles Last Stand, you know, way before, it came, you know, like stuff like that, which proves how prolific Randy was as a musician, as a, as a jammy, make it happen in a live situation, which, you know, regardless of Randy saying a lot that he didn't go up with confidence every night, it takes a lot of confidence to just say, hey, I'm playing this piece of music in the middle of this guitar solo, and then we're gonna play Slick Black Cadillac or whatever, you know? It does, it does take confidence. And, you know, the difference between the Quiet Riot years and the, and the Aussie years in the recordings it's such a huge transformation, but when you see that laughing gas guitar solo, he was there, but not on record yet, right? Like those Quiet Riot records, he didn't sound like that, but on the Aussie records, he does sound like that. So a lot going on musically. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. You can see it too. I had both those Quiet Riot records and you can, you can see that. It's kind of funny, like listening to the Van Halen demos that Gene Simmons did, you can kind of see why a, a ton of labels passed on them because yeah. you, don't, you don't hear the Eddie Van Halen greatness yet, you know, but on those quiet right. ride records, you kind of hear it a little bit. And then, yeah. like you said, when you listen to the Aussie stuff, it's like, you know, I think Bob Daisley had a big, you know, he did that too. You know, you can hear a lot of melodic stuff that, that Randy gets to play over. And with Randy being the primary songwriter with Bob, it's not like he's, you know, butting heads with, with Ozzy. Ozzy's just singing over right. what Randy wants to play. Ozzy's never played with a guitar player like that. And I love Tony Iommi. So it just kind of gives you that, that understanding of like, cause I mean, really, you know, Black Sabbath Heaven and Hell comes out and then Blizzard of Oz comes out and it's just like, right. whoa, you, you, you split Black Sabbath into two separate entities essentially. And it's amazing. Like, oh, it's just, it's unbelievable. Andre, yeah. how are you doing today? Uh, sorry. Nice to meet you, man. Came nice in a little late. Oh, you're fine. No worries. <laughs> hey, thank you for doing this documentary, for getting it out there. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask you was, how hard was it to put this documentary together with not a ton of Randy Rhodes footage? And um, to give the listeners an idea, what, 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 what does it take to put together a documentary like this? Well, I've said this before. One thing that really gave me a head start, man, that was really the catalyst to this is the Ron Sobel documentary. It never got a real proper release. It was only released on DVD. And uh, Ron came to me and uh, I licensed a big piece of that. And that helped. That gave me like a template to build from. And so thank God, because he was a photographer back in the days. And he, he, he you know, it took pictures and videotaped all this stuff in the seventies. And so I was able to build off that. And then one thing that was amazing, and there's such a community of Randy Rhodes fans out there that wanted to see a documentary or something out there because he really, one of the things that I really wanted to showcase is his legacy. I think he's a mysterious character to a lot of people, even including myself when I got involved with this, he was this like legend who was like this immortal legend who's just, but not a lot of information on his life was out there that I was aware of. 
So a lot of the um, Randy Rhodes fans were very cool with, with letting me utilize material um, from stuff they shot because they want to be part of this. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And I will tell you right now, it, it was cool watching people like Drew Forsythe, the drummer, talk so candidly. That so was amazing. really, really impressive. It was, it was something cool where I think you get more of a story, and a lot of the Randy Rhodes guys already know the story, but who, was, who, who were you surprised by when you went through all the footage that you knew you wanted to have a decent part in the documentary? Me, as far as who was I surprised by as far as... So like, uh, like, for example, Drew, it was like, I really love what he added. Was there another person that you wanted to get screen time more for because you realized they were really helping tell the story that might yeah. not have been out there from the guitar magazines? I actually really like the stuff with Dana Strum, um, the whole introduction and to Ozzy and how he's set a centerpiece to that introduction. I mean, I still have questions about it today. I would have liked to have more stuff with him. Um, I would have liked to have more stuff with Ozzy just talking about his uh, experience with Randy. Yeah, yeah. The the Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes stuff, I was, you know, as a guitar player myself, I thought was very interesting because it, it shows that, like, competition in L.A. back in that day, and I'm sure, Tracy, you can add on to this. There was a lot of gunslingers back then for sure. But I never thought Ozzy, uh, Randy and, and Eddie sounded alike i always felt like randy was more I agree. our teacher sounding player and eddie was more the sporadic player that was very hallsworth like you know in his mm -hmm. playing but like really just a next level player they they shared similar stuff but i feel like there's a lot more phrygian a lot more a lot more minor sounding stuff with randy that eddie was not doing per se um mm -hmm. do you think they just got compared with each other because they were literally the two guys besides lynch in that scene that were like the guitar heroes in the late 70s well you're very accurate you know because uh you had george lynch and you had greg leon as well um and then you had randy who's who, or eddie who's a little bit older than randy and um you know the i feel like and no disrespect to anybody, you know, Eddie was a, was a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine. And, but I think Randy got under his skin a little, you know, because, you know, at the time, Eddie was the king of L.A. You know, there's no doubt about it. As far as that mentality, right? You know, like, I'm the guy. Sure. And, you know, Randy was very interested in music. And he, he was already a rock star. You know, he's one of those guys that was born a rock star, right? Like, you know, he wasn't trying to be a rock star. He was that guy. He had that kind of charisma. You know, so anything that really you would you would adapt to say, you know, uh, Randy and Eddie are similar. Well, Randy had to literally teach Eddie Van Halen music to students. Yeah. You know, so that means he had to learn it himself and do that. And of course, he probably totally respected Eddie's playing. But Randy really from the people that I know, including Rudy Sarzo that I played in the band with for a year and heard every story, Randy was not a competitive guy, you know, and I don't think he saw Eddie play more than one time, you know, and I know Eddie went quite a few times to see Randy, um, you know, uh, Eddie was very almost protective over his innovation, right? Yeah, you know, as turns, a guitarist. Turns back to people when he would tap because no one knew what was going on back then. Yes, maybe that's what that's the that's the legend, that's right? That's the lore, right? <laughs> um, you know, so but but I do know because I mean I had an experience with Eddie once where I had brought up uh, a, a couple plexis. I gave him a couple plexis, and 
we fired him up and I played, I don't know, ain't talking about love or something. Right. And he looked at me and goes, you know, it's not cool to mock me at my house. Wow. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, really? I'm not you, mocking you. Know you. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that was his kind of sense of humor, but also kind of like a little bit passive aggressive. So like he was really protective over his shit, you know? Um, but the rivalry, I, I think exists more today in our minds as fans through the legends than the actual rivalry existed then you know i don't i don't know and i know that you know lynch was right there and like i said greg leon and at the time you got to remember man you know the motels were happening you know the devo was coming out of, out of ohio and, and b-52s and stuff like that so like these bionic guitar players weren't there yet right they were in la you know, LA people are like, whoa, you know, the seventies is still alive. You know what I mean? But, right. but it wasn't mainstream yet. So you didn't have a lot of guys like those four guys that were still going for it. You know what I mean? You had more guys trying to be like Elliot Easton from the cars, you know, right. And, and you know, the funny tie or whatever. They no, were it's doing. true though. You're right. Because punk, punk disco and new wave was all in that kind yeah. of same area and people weren't signing those bands. Um, Andre, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest thing you're hoping that people take away from this documentary? Yeah, I mean, a better understanding of the Rhodes legacy, his accomplishments, his work ethic. This guy worked very hard um, and his upbringing, uh, being brought up in a musical family with a in a music school, the trials and tribulations of being in Quiet Riot. I mean, just to show that a musician like that couldn't even get, you know, even though, yeah, he's the guitarist and there's other pieces to a band, but they couldn't get a record deal. I mean, that's crazy. When you listen to the first two Quiet Riot albums um, in the 70s, I really think those are incredible albums. And I still am just scratching my head why they didn't get a record deal. Um, and so just his overall story, I want people to understand him and appreciate him, particularly on the 40th year anniversary of his passing, you know, a month ago, or a month and a half ago. Um, I think it's really important to get that story out there. No, and I think you did a great job of it, man. I mean, I, like, and I appreciate again being able to to, to watch it early and uh, being the huge Rhodes fan that I am. Uh, I'm completely proud of the proud of what you did. I mean, it's great. It's it really tells a story, and for the younger um, for the younger people that hopefully get to watch it. I think they'll fall in love with Randy's playing and start to research him. And with the internet now, like not what we had back in the day, they'll be able to find more stuff about him. Because like I said, and you said, we've all said this in this interview, it feels like he's kind of gotten lost in the mix. He's you know gotten I mean? lost. His legacy's been lost, man. That's what I think. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tracy, I want to uh, I want to ask you how much Randy's playing – with jumped into LA Guns because LA Guns being the rock band that you were, I kind of hear little tastes of it in like Never Enough, like in after the little outros, yeah. after the choruses, I can I can hear the Randy influence. Mm -hmm. um, how much of his playing inspired you in your own songwriting? A, a hell of a lot, you know, and it, and at different levels and at different times, you know. So, you know, looking at Never Enough, you know, those are directly those licks are are you know completely what would Randy Rhodes do here? You know what I mean? 
And the first record, um, all the solos are double tracked, triple tracked, the whole Randy mentality. Um, Cry No More, which is the classical guitar piece on our first album. Obviously, it's like D. Of course. Um, so right from the beginning, you know, I went there, but my musicality jumped leaps and bounds over the years, you know. So like the last four, three records, which have come out in the last four years, Missing Peace, I have two enormous classical metal pieces that I originally wrote for Quiet Riot in 1986, or uh, 2000, let's see, when would that have been? 96. 2006, yeah. God, time's going. <laughs> so I was going to join Quiet Riot, and I wrote all this stuff, um, but I wanted to go the Randy Rhodes route, you know, the developed Randy Rhodes, Ozzy Osbourne stuff, so I wrote these songs, and I ended up not doing the Quiet Riot gig. So when LA Guns got back together in 2017, we got a record deal. Those are the first two pieces of music I worked on. It was like finish them up, get them done. And that's a highly, you know, high musical IQ combining metal with real classical guitar playing. And then I've continued, you know, like um, over the past, and then we have another record that we're completing now. And so it really wavers now as I'm at this age between, you know, my influence of Jimmy Page and Randy Rose. Um, you, you know, like, like I've kind of just landed there, you know, I mean, doing this for this many years, it's like Keith Richards, you know, making a record right now. It's like, okay, Chuck Berry and, you know, Chuck Berry, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, right. like it's okay. Everybody else was great, but you know, okay, here's a little Shanker. Here's a little Gary Moore, you know, here's a little Hendrix, but it boils down to those are my two main influences. So when you listen to, our last three records, they're the most focused, they're the most critically acclaimed, they're the fan favorites now, because it's highly developed and it's focused, you know, where it's like, I'm not kind of skating around it anymore. I just jump in it, you know, I just go, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to hear, and I just do it instead of tiptoeing around it, you know, and Randy's a massive part of my playing. And it's interesting, I just want to touch on something you said earlier, because we know that Randy sounds dark, minor, Phrygian, these things. But via Rudy Sarzo talking about Randy's approach to the guitar, he approached everything from a major scale point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So Richie Blackmore is the only other guy I know that did that. And he also sounds uber dark, you know? So it's like for guys like me and you, you know, we grew up on blues rock, you know? minor pentatonics and minors and stuff well brandy and and you know richie sound different because they had a different approach you know they yeah. looked at that weird box that we don't ever see you know said hey that's where that's where your solo is in there you know that's where you, our chord progressions come from and then they become you know relative minors you know yeah, well, in, look, at, look at crazy train right perfect example right yeah if, if you look at the beginning the beginning is f sharp aeolian right it's just a it's a yeah. minor riff right so then it goes to the d and the e which is the four and the five chord of a major and the verses yeah. are in a major and it's that lift yeah right and then the chorus yeah. chorus goes back to the minor feel but then yeah. that that walk because daisy walks the bass in the, yeah. in the solo and you kind of go how brilliant is that because if the bass doesn't walk the solo doesn't have the same legs that's right. Yeah. It, it, you, you just broke it down perfectly. And even down to the, the, the E major lick, 
like it keeps bouncing back from minor to major, you know? And I, I don't know at that point if Randy was fluent enough at music. I mean, we're all going to give him credit for that. Right. You know, we're just going to like say, okay, you know, but being able to go to that A major feel (laughs) into that F sharp minor, whatever you want to call it, it makes sense because, but it would be backwards because A minor would be you know, F major, you know, or you know something like that. But he really put that together in a way where it's like some classical, some blues, and some metal, and some pop, and right? No, and that's no the A major it. verse. Yeah, no one was doing that at that time. Think about how important it was for him when he played with Ozzy to play with keyboard players too. That you right. can definitely tell we're classically influenced. Look at Mr. Crowley. Look at Revelation, Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see these songs where he could hold his own because of all of the years that he taught. You know, he yeah, and it is because of the language. teaching because he was not classically trained. I want to make right. that really clear that people really think he was. And the, the real interest in serious classical music was an ongoing, you know, pursuit of his. And I think that what's really amazing we talk about Bob Daisley and Don Airy is that, you know, Randy has these ideas and then he has these older musicians that are really prolific. Maybe they're not as inspiring as Randy, but they're definitely educators and they're educated, helping to put this diary of a madman, (laughs) Revelation Mother Earth, Mr. Crowley. You know, it's that recipe of humans working together. And that shows how open-minded Randy was to say, hey, I got this, help me. Yep. Yep. And then it came up with that stuff. No egos, everybody. This is the chemistry. I mean, you know that. You've mm-hmm. played you you played in Brides of Destruction, you played in Contraband. I mean, you've oh, man. many yeah. of the musicians. You started Guns N' Roses, essentially, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You understand chemistry and you understand the push yeah. and the pull between normally a, a lead guitar player and a singer, right? And it's yeah. his ego definitely was not there. You could tell because that music doesn't mm-hmm. get written if it was. Well, and also I think, you know, that's a good point, right? Like he wasn't a big Ozzy or Sabbath fan. Um, so he says, right? So he is just like, I'm hired. So I'm, I'm bringing this music in and whatever he wants, right? So he already had that in mind. Like he wasn't going in as like, this is a Randy Rhodes solo project. He's like, well, Ozzy wants to be heavy and here's some ideas. Oh, he loves my ideas. Great. Hey guys, help me with these ideas. So that eliminates the ego right away because it's not your focus, you right. know? Right. And the whole time's magic, right? It's just magic. Well, he's it's the only guy. Funny. He's the only guy that's not hasn't been in a famous band yet because Curse right. was in your eye heap. Bob Daisy yeah. played in Rainbow, you know, and yeah. a ton of other bands. His book is yeah. fabulous, by the way. Um, so he's the guy that he almost has to defer, right? You know what that's I mean? That's right. I would at least if I play with somebody famous, I'd have to defer, you know. He's the new guy. Yeah. Absolutely. And think about this too. Think about this. Guitar heroes generally become guitar heroes because of their vision, right? You know, it's like Van Halen, Roth, great mix, right? Great thing. You know, let's just say Lynch is a guitar hero, you know, Don Dockin, great songs, you know, great vibe, you know, all these things. Hendrix sang the songs. You know, Gary Moore sang the songs. Jeff Beck, instrumentalist, also played with Rod Stewart, was in the Yardbirds, you know. Steven you know, Tyler, all these Perry. I mean, there's so many, right? Right. But then there's Randy Rhodes, the hired guy. Yeah. That becomes the star. 
right? Like that is unheard of. Amazing. And I think he did his homework too, because if you listen to like Over the Mountain in the guitar solo in the very beginning, that's Black uh, Sabbath, Black Sabbath. It's the oh, same totally. Thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the, uh, the, the diminished note on it. I think he did. I think he did a little homework sure. when he actually got the gig, as weird as the gig was, how he got it, which is another yeah. great story. Um, I know you got more interviews. I super appreciate your time. Anytime you want to come on my show right. and, and chop it up, man, I would love to talk to you about that when the you new like, Guns record comes out, man. Get a hold okay. of me, and uh, I'd love to talk about it. We will, and thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Have a great day. Stay safe, my friend. Okay. Take care. Just want to thank Tracy Guns from LA Guns coming on the show today, and also Andre, the president and CEO from VMI Worldwide. These two gentlemen are responsible for getting this Randy Rhodes documentary out to all of us coming out this Friday, May 6th. You can get it pretty much anywhere. So uh, iTunes, Amazon, um, definitely support it. Learn more about Randy Rhodes, especially in the quiet riot years. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really enjoyed interviewing these two gentlemen. Um, thanks for the support you guys are giving us too. All of the uh, shares and likes on social media and uh, especially subscribing makes a huge difference. If you want to write a review or five star, it's free. It takes a second and it makes a huge difference for us. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.